0: It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. The plan was to get this roster with this new regime. They were not keeping this roster, my friend. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were not keeping the roster they inherited from Mayock and Gruden and before that. And there were going to be changes, and we told you. Are you with me on that? Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. It. That's all we've been telling you all year if you've been listening. They have a plan. I'm not saying it's going to work. It's going to be 100%. But I'm behind the plan. The plan is to get it up to speed where it's really good for a long period of time. You are what your record is. Sound off like you got a pair. And now, JT, the man to miss the legend. Here's JT the brick. JT, as we continue here Friday, getaway Friday here on the great Raider Nation radio. Kind of a quiet week. Some good news. Some Average news around the NFL, but as you know, uh, we call this the dead zone of the NFL. Not for the Raiders. we got plenty of Raider content, but it is now quiet. As we are getting ready, it's the calm before the storm. We had the schedule release. Harry Ruiz did a great job covering uh, for me that day. I was able to talk about it earlier in the week. We had some aviator preemption. We got the Golden Knights going on. We got a lot happening. And I want to thank our proud partner again, PT's best happy hour in town. But Golden Entertainment, what a company. What a proud partner to work for this company here and represent them on the radio. I'm heading to Laughlin in an hour or two to go see Journey with my wife and one of my best buddies. We love going to see Journey. And before you say Journey, Journey, Steve Perry can't sing anymore. They brought in Arnell. He does a fabulous job, okay? Is it kind of karaoke-ish? Yeah, a little bit. He's entertaining. He's fun. He runs around the stage. Jonathan Kane, friend of the show, Love talking to him over at One Steakhouse, the legendary keyboardist for Journey. So we're going there, uh, possibly a meet and greet with him. But I want to thank our friends at Golden Entertainment as they own 64-plus taverns here in Southern Nevada on top of the fact that they own Arizona Charlie's and the Stratosphere and this Laughlin Event Center where we're going to to see this show tonight. What a great partnership. So thanks to them in advance. As I'm driving out to Laughlin, earlier this week we worked with Lon Kruger with coaches versus cancer. So Tuesday, I was out on the golf course over at Cascada. Unbelievable. If you get a chance to look at my Twitter feed, at JT the Brick, we're playing a par three out there, and I hit a par, it was like 160-yard par three, and I hit it on the green, which was nice, and I'm going to go for my ball, and I had my video camera out, and there were bighorn, sheep, rams, whatever you want to call them, on the green unbelievable as we we're, we parked the golf cart and we're walking up to the green and I got my camera out there again go check out the video and standing on the green are these bighorn sheeps that took off into this little ravine it was one of the most beautiful things I've seen we spent time with coach Kruger Matt Painter Fran McCaffrey the head coach of Iowa, Roy Williams was very gracious to me again. Great to see Coach Williams. Uh, Kevin Krueger, all the other coaches here that were out for Coaches vs. Cancer. I believe the number, I don't want to be quoted on it, but it was close to $2 million raised for this event, the Las Vegas Golf Classic. And it was a pleasure to have the opportunity earlier in the week to MC the event, along with Sean Farnham from ESPN and DJ Allen, from X's and O's of success. So really gracious, heart is full, seeing everyone from the American Cancer Society as they come together and they want to do the right thing, and hopefully more victories, more victories coming with cancer research. We've all been affected by someone who currently has cancer, had it in the past, might have passed away, but we like talking about the victories. And what's so inspiring about being associated with this is there are victories. There are people who are cancer-free, people that I've met over the years that come back and you say, how are you? I'm still cancer-free. It's incredible, and with the research and ongoing development in that field, hopefully there's better and better and better news. You know I'm fired up for the Golden Knights. Obviously tonight, uh, Sunday, I plan on going to the Sunday game and this is also a glorious time to be in Vegas with all that news. So hopefully VGK can get off to a good start. What, what I hesitate with is I was very nervous about Edmonton. And I thought they beat Edmonton. You see, 23 out of 25 people surveyed on ESPN picked Edmonton over our VGK. How about that? 23 out of 25. I wasn't on that list. I really thought that Vegas was a better team than Edmonton. And if you remember listening to this show a month or two months ago, I was clamoring for home ice because I thought they'd need that against Edmonton. Well, I think we might need the home ice against Dallas, even though they had to go to Game 7 to put away the Seattle Kraken. So I don't know how this is exactly going to play out, everybody, but VGK has home ice, and they might need it in Game 7. Maybe they don't. God knows I thought they were going to need it against Edmonton in Game 7, and they dominated the Edmonton Oilers, which was fabulous. So great to see that. So you got a lot going on, and then I'm going to the fight on Saturday night and to see Haney Lomachenko fight, and that'll be at the MGM Grand. And that brings me to what I wanted to talk about uh, for the rest of the segment, if you'd indulge me for a few minutes here. I lost a beautiful soul, and a great friend of mine passed away uh, last Sunday. Tracy Bowden, who was a leader in the boxing world, she was the lady who put together all of our boxing remotes. And she passed away suddenly. She's from the, almost the same town I'm from. She's from Wontor, New York. I'm from Massapequa, five minutes away from where I grew up. She passed away at the age of 50. And she had a huge impact on my life and a lot of people listening and a lot of people in the boxing world. And I was in Oklahoma traveling on Sunday when I got the news. I was devastated. She was friends with my wife. And she passed away, and she was the architect of all of our Radio Row boxing remotes throughout my career. A legend, the reason why I got to broadcast and attend over 100 championship fights and counting. So I just wanted to share a few moments here on Tracy and what she meant to me. (coughs) Excuse me. Because she was such a dear friend and such a beautiful person inside and out is that she was the one who would fight for me with my former network that I worked at and the current one I work with and she would buy the fight. So what she would do is she was on the media side of it. So when there was a big pay-per-view fight, she would be the individual who would choose what radio shows would come in nationally to Las Vegas. And when I was with Fox for 17 years, you know, 10 of them were in LA and this was before I even lived in LA. She would always call me as soon as the fight was announced in her New York city office And these were HBO fights. And she'd say, JT, hey, man, we got this fight coming up. And it's De La Hoya, Trinidad, whatever it was. Great fight, Floyd fight, whatever it was. And she'd say, does this fit your schedule? And I'd say, are you kidding me? Of course it does, whatever you need. And what she would do is she would fly radio shows in from all over the country. She would select the ones that she thought would help sell the fight. And she knew she could count on me because I always talk boxing especially now with my podcast partner, Tom Looney. We always talk boxing. A lot of radio shows don't. But when these promotions came around, everybody wanted a free trip to Vegas. So everybody would be saying, and I'm talking great friends of mine, Sid Rosenberg, Scott Farrell, uh, radio hosts locally and nationally would clamor to come to Vegas because because of these boxing remotes, you'd get a free hotel room at the MGM Grand or Mandalay Bay, imagine that, free hotel room, a per diem for dinner, and then you'd be able to host your radio show in the media center, and then on top of that, you'd get ringside seats to the fight. Who wouldn't want to do that, right? It was the biggest perk, but I lived in Vegas, so I didn't need a hotel room. I didn't need the perks for the in-house food at the MGM, because I live in Vegas, and she would always laugh about that. She'd say, yeah, but uh, we need you to be a part of this fight, and I I went to every one. So I think I was talking to one of her friends or coworkers. I think probably Tracy and boxing remotes and Joe Sands, who runs the Vegas Golden Knights broadcast. I probably did 35 or 40 boxing remotes. And then the remotes we didn't do, she would get us tickets to go to the fight and we'd cover the fight anyway. So again, this is a long relationship. And what Tracy meant to me, she was so important to me that whenever I would go back to New York, I would, you know, I was working for Premier Radio Networks and Fox Sports Radio. We'd go have lunch in New York City and we'd sit down and we'd have a nice lunch and we'd talk and it'd just be beautiful. You know, we wouldn't talk boxing, we'd talk about her kids, her husband in law enforcement, and her three young kids, beautiful kids. And she would tell me she's so proud of her son. He's playing club baseball, really good young baseball player. And just her kids in general, she was so proud of her husband and what he accomplished. And we'd just sit and talk. And next thing you know, an hour lunch would go to two and a half hours. And then we'd hug, you know, right outside on a New York City street. And I knew I'd be seeing her in Vegas, you know, a month after that or two months after that. So I have a very heavy heart today because I lost a dear, dear friend of mine who I believe was a legend in the boxing world. We were doing late night shows for these radio remotes at like 7 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock East Coast time. We're doing it from the media center. And there'd be no one there, which I was fine with because I'm on the radio at night. That's how I made my bones, built my career. And she would walk Jim Lampley in and say, hey, Jim's here. And oh, my God, Looney and I would have these battles with Jim Lampley on politics. He was heavy to the left. I leaned to the right. (laughs) Looney was more to the left, but he would love to get him going. And we'd be sitting there talking to Jim Lampley about all of these topics, and it would always steer back to politics, and Jim would look at us at the end, and you could just see his you know, his blood boiling at times. But then the segment would be over, and we'd shake hands, and then we'd see him at the fight. And Jim Lampley, the great Jim Lampley, would be calling these fights, and every once in a while he'd have to turn his back to the ring to do the shot on HBO, no matter who he was working with at the time. And he would spot Looney and I in the crowd and give us a wink or wave his hand there, which was incredible. So I lost a good friend and someone who passed away unexpectedly at the age of 50 with a couple of kids and a great husband and a really big family in the boxing world. So when I go into the fight Saturday night here, I'm going to be thinking of her. I'm going to be saying a prayer for her, and I wish Tracy Bowden was still here. With us because she had that type of impact on my life, a beautiful soul, someone who changed my life, someone not only did she give me the perks of going to boxing, but she she was there for me. She believed in me when I had current bosses who didn't want to buy the fight. They'd be like, why do you want to go to that fight? I'd be like, what are you kidding me? Forget about Mr. Program Director, idiot. And again, I don't want to get too crazy on this, but we're going to the fight. You're not going to tell us we're not going to a boxing match in Las Vegas because you don't think it works well at 8.15 at night on a radio show that you're not even listening to, Mr. Program Director. You don't even listen to the show at 8 at night. What do you care if Looney and I and we can bring a producer and we can go have a nice dinner and we can all be a team and a family in Las Vegas at a great restaurant? What do you care? And we were able to fight through that because Tracy would tell Our bosses at the time, and they were beauties, they were beauties, tell them, no, no, we're giving you money. We're paying your radio network money to bring these guys to the fight. And they'd eventually shut up and get back into their box and understand that that's what we do here. We raise money. We generate partnerships. And Tracy was the one to do that. So for Tracy, and I talked to Scott Gertner, who puts on all these fights here in town. He's an icon in the field. He's an icon in the field, and James Smithy Smith and my buddy John Hyatt and all my other friends that cover boxing in this town and countless other men and women who've been able to cover this sport. We want to say to Tracy, rest in peace. God, and uh, I'll wrap it up by this. She's 50 years old and passed away suddenly. You know, my mom and dad spent the whole week here. My dad will be 85 next week. My mom's 84, and... You know, I got up earlier every day to have that extra cup of coffee with them. stayed up late at night with them to have that extra conversation. Right. Because you don't know. You don't know. You hope. I hope my parents are here for another 20 years. But I thought Tracy would be here for another 20, 30 years and we'd keep our friendship going as I point up to the sky now. So I wanted to make sure I got that in here on Friday because it's really important to me. And, again, you know I don't share a lot of personal stories. Hey, I might say my son graduated college or I'm going to this concert and all that. This is much more important. This is a good friend. And the boxing community lost a legend in Tracy, and I hope she's resting in paradise. All right, when we come back on the other side, more what what's at stake with the Golden Knights. And there was a column written in The Ringer, and I believe Q had the author of the column on. I didn't get a chance to hear the interview but Q always does a great job about Devontae Adams and how happy he is right here in Vegas or not, and I think he's really happy. I've gone on a couple of radio shows to talk about that. I don't know Devontae. Met him once. I don't know him. I don't know Devontae. He's not hanging out on this radio show much, which is fine, but I think the world to him is a player, and the clamor and the people now who are chirping about does Devontae like Vegas or not, I'll clean that up on the other side when we return because a quote or two in an article has nothing to do with Devonte Adams and his love of this organization and what he wants to accomplish. I'll get to that coming up next as we're brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde love going to their law practice right there in Tivoli Village to see their vibrant staff working, trying to help others. If you get into an accident, Hey man, it's crazy out there. Now you see all these cones You see everything on the freeway? People rear-rending each other, heading into the airport tunnel, trying to go from one lane, three lanes over. It's crazy. If you get into an accident, get to the side of the road. Get safe. Don't talk to anybody on the other side. Don't talk to other attorneys. Count on me. I got the guys for you, the DeCastaverde Law Group, 702-222-9999. They'll help you. They're egoless, and they're proud partners of Raider Nation Radio. JT, welcome back as we continue Friday here on a beautiful day. I think it's beautiful. Gorgeous weekend coming up here and another monster weekend in Vegas sports with the Golden Knights playing Friday and Sunday. The Haney-Lomachenko fight on Saturday. And I'm sure a lot of other things I'm not aware of. But go have a great time, man. Where else in Vegas? PGA Championship. Love it. The Major. Can't wait. Leaderboard is strong. I think there's going to be a, a really big movement day coming up uh, on Saturday. Saturday is going to be amazing with this leaderboard, so we'll get into that a little bit, and I'll be tweeting on that and be watching some golf here and there, heading into the fight and getting ready for hockey as I'm going on Sunday. So I mentioned the Devontae Adams comments that have been coming in throughout Raider Nation off the ringer column that was written on Devontae, and I would refer you to Q. Because Q interviewed the author of that of that article and I'm sure it was a good interview. I didn't hear it traveling, but if you want to go check it out and, and go read it in detail, because I read the article and it's interesting. It's speculation on what's going to happen with Devontae. What is the speculation on the future of Devontae Adams? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what anybody should say. He's had a couple of posts. Uh, Is he happy here in Vegas? All I can tell you is everything that I hear, he loves Vegas. I mean, over the top, loves Vegas. How would I know that? Well, I'm in the building. Uh, Everybody loves the facility. Everybody loves the new stadium. He put up monster numbers. The article referred to the fact that he really wanted to be first team, all pro when he was because of the – to be able to distinguish himself as even a better receiver who didn't need Aaron Rodgers – even though he had Aaron Rodgers, had Derek Carr, and now he has Jimmy Garoppolo. It meant a lot to him to get the most recent All-Pro because it was the first one without Aaron Rodgers. I thought that was interesting when it comes to this. But other than that, the rest of the article I read, it was about a speculation on where this franchise is in the reloading of this roster. Anybody who thinks this team is rebuilding is out of their mind. You don't rebuild and bring in a player like Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't rebuild and franchise tag Josh Jacobs. You trade him at the top of his value to do that. Okay, you don't have Devontae Adams and rebuild. You reload. Now, the Raiders were a 10-win team that went to six, and I'm sure Devontae's not happy about it. I know Max is not happy about it. I'm sure everybody on that team isn't happy about not making the playoffs. But according to the Ringer column, is there any strife between the philosophy of Dave Ziegler and what they want to do with this offense and what they want to do with this team as they get better? And Devontae, from what I can tell, no. Could that change? Of course, anything can change. But I know that Devontae loves it here. It talked about his fascination for golf. I wouldn't know about that, unless from what I hear. And yes, I hear that he's fascinated by golf. I know he's always down with Chef Barry, our, my, our great mutual friend. A plug for Barry's Steakhouse at Circa. He's there all the time because he's great friends with Barry. That's no news to everybody else. And his wife, who has social media, they have the two beautiful daughters. they just gracious and great pictures of the kids. How could he not like it here? He lives in a beautiful home, unbelievable weather, loves golf. His wife loves it here. So I, I assume he's pretty happy. And for Devontae, he's played with Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, and now Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, let's stop for a second and talk about that. Think of, Let me name those three quarterbacks again. Aaron Rodgers, first ballot Hall of Famer, four-time MVP. Derek Carr, his college quarterback at Fresno State. And now Jimmy Garoppolo, who has an unbelievable regular season winning percentage and has won four playoff games. So Devontae is not playing for... Bums. He's not playing, and again, even for quarterbacks that aren't great. He's not playing for Sam Darnold. He's not playing for Baker Mayfield. He's not playing for some of the younger quarterbacks like we see in Houston as they've been trying to figure out what they're going to do there. Or he's not playing with Marcus Tuya last year in Atlanta. Devontae's had guys who can get him the football. I think Jimmy G, who's not a classic, he's more of a pocket passer. He's not that mobile, but Jimmy G can get the ball out. Jimmy G had a better offensive line with the 49ers. We'll see what the Raiders are able to do. But Jimmy G is going to make faster and more efficient decisions than Derek Carr. What Derek does better than Jimmy G is at times when Derek extends a play, and he could extend plays, Derek. He wasn't a great runner, but he was good at extending plays. That would enable Devontae to get open deep, and Derek would throw a really good deep ball. I think Jimmy Garoppolo throws a great deep ball. Have you seen all of the video of him throwing to Iuke and Debo Samuel and George Kittle? Have you watched all that? I have. And the ball comes out beautifully, and Jimmy G has a monster arm and can make every throw. He can make every throw, but he's not going to extend the play like Kyler Murray running around for 20 seconds. So this is speculation. It's offseason speculation with Devontae. What I've been preaching here from my pulpit here on Raider Nation Radio is, How great this offense is. You got the best receiver in football, without a doubt, in Devontae. We've said that for a while. I thought it was worth giving up a first and second round pick to get him and pay him all this money. And that's a massive contract. I thought that was worth it. Number two, as of today, with Hunter Renfro and Jacoby Myers and Michael Mayer, the new tight end from Notre Dame, and Josh Jacobs, the leading rusher, Devontae's got everything you could want on offense. Everything. Now, maybe Devontae would have liked Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. Tom Brady. Don't know. Uh, That's not that I don't know that information, so I can't bring it out to you, but I know he's got a really good quarterback with a lot of experience in the system. So I think what this comes down to everybody going forward is what is the growth in the offense going to be in year two with Josh McDaniels, arguably the greatest play caller of his generation? And again, for those knuckleheads who said it was all Brady, I don't even want to hear from them. Go call another show. Go go to YouTube and find a podcast that will agree with you. Don't bring that crap here. Josh McDaniels, he's got six Super Bowl rings. He doesn't have to worry about sports radio hosts or listeners or callers debating him as a play caller. He's arguably the greatest of the modern era when it comes to accomplishments. He can call every play. He's designed every play for Tom Brady. He overran the playbook at times for Tom Brady and called the plays that Brady won to have unbelievable comebacks. Unbelievable. 28-3 to in the Super Bowl against Atlanta. You think that Brady just went to the line of scrimmage and made all those calls? You know I'm a big believer of Josh McDaniels as a play caller. Now he's going to win as a head coach. And I think what's going to be interesting in year two with Josh McDaniels is what are we going to see with Devontae? Because we saw a lot with Derek and Devontae, he put up big numbers. How could that evolve and get better? And I, I think the only way it's going to get better is if Jimmy G is instructed to go to Devontae first, which I hope he is. He's the best player in the league. And secondly, Jimmy G gives Devontae more opportunities because they're picking up more first downs, and it's giving Devontae Three, six, nine more plays a game. Now, everybody understand this. This is a big point. I think Jimmy G is going to be better than Derek. Slightly better, but better in the category of red zone. So once they get to the red zone, I think Jimmy G is going to be quicker. His shoulders are going to move quicker. He's going to look off linebackers and say he's better than Derek was able to do that. And hopefully that benefits Devontae. Also, Devontae is always going to be double teamed. So can Jimmy G get him the ball early in the double team instead of waiting for the play to develop? Again, the strength of Derek, I believe, over Jimmy G is if it takes time for the play to develop. I like Carr moving his feet, stepping up in the pocket and throwing that deeper ball to Devontae that we saw get behind several defenses last year. But what I think this comes down to is now my new fascination with the Raiders running game. Because the Niners have had great running backs and have an excellent fullback under Jimmy G. They were able to be very balanced with the tight end, the running back to play action, and the receivers running these Kyle Shanahan elaborate crossing routes that freed everybody up. Again, I refer you back to any tape of the 49ers you've seen in the last couple of years of how wide open their receivers were. It was fascinating to me that they were always wide open. And they were wide open because of what Kyle Shanahan designed that I don't think is any better than Josh McDaniels. You can debate that. You could say Kyle's better than Josh, whatever. I think Josh has a better track record than Kyle by a long shot. But recently, Kyle Shanahan's been very successful freeing up wide receivers and George Kittle, going to the Pro Bowls and everything they had here. So I look at what Jimmy G did well in San Francisco, which is actually Santa Clara. I look at what Josh McDaniels did well with Devontae and Derek Carr, now I look at the addition of Michael Mayer, who's a better blocker than Waller. Waller's a better receiver. Waller's a veteran. who's an elite receiver. We know if Hunter's healthy and Hunter can make that quick move off the line of scrimmage. And then we have Jacoby Myers, who's very familiar with the offense that Josh McDaniels is running, which Jimmy G knows. So when I look at Devontae, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. Now, if Devontae's not happy about the growth of the defense and the defense doesn't improve— from a recent defense that always seems to be ranked 27th, 28 29th. If that doesn't improve, I don't care how many times you get the ball to Devontae. I don't care what you do, then Devontae's going to be sitting his ass on the bench as the other team's quarterback is going to go down the field on the Raiders. That has to stop. I think the Raiders have improved their defensive personnel since last year. But when it comes to Devontae, what I wanted to wrap this up with is there's going to be content. There's going to be a Ringer article. I'm going to interview people. If this gets big, it blows up. If Albert Breer or Peter King writes something about, is Devontae happy after week four or five? You know, we'll get to that when it happens. But to sit here in the middle of May and speculate if Devontae is happy with the direction of the team. He just took the picture with Dave Ziegler that he posted, busting with the boys cap for Dave. He's friends with the guys who uh, do that elite podcast and all of that. I think everything's cool. I think everything's fine. I think everything is calm. I think Devontae is great. And I'll just tell you, as long as I hear from my favorite steakhouse chef in town and some of the golf course starters here that he's smiling, having fun, and having a great time with his family, I'll report that back to you. But to speculate from someone who sat down with Devontae or talked to Devontae and to wonder if he's happy or not, it's a big reach. It's a big reach. But I know that the story could evolve Or quietly go away. On my scale of 1 to 10 and being alarmed at all the clickbait and all the other people that retweeted this ringer column, my alarm rate would be a 1. If it gets to a 4 or 5, I'll revisit it. If it gets to a 7 or 9, we'll do shows on it. But I think Devontae, like every Raider in town, is thrilled to be in Vegas. Playing at Allegiant Stadium, playing at the best practice facility headquarters in the world, and everything's good. As his old teammate once said, Aaron Rodgers, relax. Devontae's good. We wrap it up here as we continue on a Friday. Heading out to Journey and Laughlin. Good weekend here. And good to hear from some Golden Knight fans on Twitter, at JT The Brick. I got the Knights winning in six because they're a really good road team. And I think at times they're better on the road than they are at home. Uh, like I say in every series, Friday, Vegas, tonight has to get out quick. They can't be flat like they were in that Winnipeg game. When you looked early in the series, sometimes they fall asleep a little bit. You know, Lakers don't. Lakers almost won game one against Denver with a heroic comeback late. I'd like to see Vegas get game one and not put pressure on themselves. Not put pressure on themselves to have their back up against the wall. Don't go down 0-1. If they're 1-1, they'll be fine in the series after Sunday. But don't put yourself in a situation where you're down 0-1 and you could potentially go down 0-2. Because if they go down 0-2 to Dallas, they're not going to win the series. If you lose two at home, I don't care who you are. If you're starting off a playoff series as the home team with home ice or home court advantage, worst case scenario is losing them both. This team will not recover, even though they're good on the road. A split I would not be happy with. Win the two at home against Peter DeBoer in Dallas and come back Win one in Dallas and get some time off. The schedule has opened up for the Vegas Golden Knights. They're better than all the teams remaining, in my opinion. All they got to do is win eight games starting tonight to drink from the cup. Let's get the city behind this as we continue on. And we're brought to you by our great friends at Raisin Canes. Oh, the chicken. The chicken's fabulous. Both my sons are home and they're Kaniacs. So they'll be heading out to Raisin Canes. They'll be going through the drive-through, they'll be bringing back the box. I'll be trying to grab some of their chicken tenders. It's a great thing. And, oh, man, the lemonade and iced tea. Fabulous. Raisin Cane's proud partner of our show right here on the flagship. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Thanks for coming back here as we wrap up our Friday. A gorgeous, beautiful Friday here, right here on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio. Scott Kaplan, ESPN LA. Text me. He's going to join us coming up here in a few moments. So stick around for that. As we discussed earlier, the Laker loss, the significance of it. I say they're done. No chance they come back. They just can't win four out of five. They can't. They can't win four out of five against a team that's, that's good. They could win four out of five against an inferior team or a team earlier in the playoffs. The Warriors were really good. I don't think if they were down 0-2, they could storm back and do that again. But that's neither here nor there. I have too much respect for Nikola Jokic. And what Murray did last night was absolutely fabulous. So great night last night. Let's give a shout-out to Virgin Hotels, as we always do Las Vegas. Went to one steakhouse last night with the great John O'Donnell. J-O-D, go there for a steak, sit at the bar. You'll see all the entertainment celebrities. Last night, we spent the night with Jonathan Kane from Journey, uh, the legendary keyboard player who's become a friend. And we sat with him for two, two and a half hours. And he's playing golf today at Paiute. Then he's going to take his private jet to Laughlin. And we're going to meet him there and see Journey tonight at the Laughlin Event Center, as I thanked earlier, Golden Entertainment, as I'm going out there tonight with my wife, and that should be fantastic. Love seeing Journey. Love seeing them in a new event center that I haven't been to before, and they've been our proud partner for a long time. The stories that Jonathan Cain had about the history of Journey, you know, they were the first ever rock band ever to play stadiums and arenas with video before the Stones, before the Who, before anybody. They did it, and he told us all about, you know, how much money it cost and how they had to load it in and what it was like to do the first rock shows ever with giant video around him and opening up for the Rolling Stones at JFK Stadium in Philly and in Buffalo in front of 80,000 people as they became a huge stadium band and great stories about Bill Graham. If you're into rock and roll, Bill Graham, the legendary concert promoter and their great friendship. So I had a good night last night talking rock and roll where I met my wife at the old hard rock hotel and casino, now Virgin hotels. And we appreciate that. So, What's going to happen tonight is huge in this town. Golden Knights have to win. Really important now. There's only eight games left to win the Cup. They have home ice, and tonight's a monster. Monster game with Dallas. Peter DeBoer is in town. He knows this team well. He knows the entire roster. And this is going to be a tough coaching matchup here with Bruce Cassidy going up with Peter DeBoer. I think coaching's really going to matter here. Line changes, what happens overall. It's going to be a fantastic, I think, chess match, and I think Vegas is the better team. So hopefully Vegas is up for the challenge. Vegas is ready to play, and they don't have a letdown at home. they got to be sparked. they got to be emotional coming out of the fortress with all of that excitement, all the crowd screaming. Tonight's got to be big. Then tomorrow night, the fight. As we said, I'll take Haney over Lomachenko. I wouldn't be shocked if Lomachenko won, but I'd kind of be surprised because Haney's at the peak of his career, and he's fired up, and then Sunday – I'm going to be going into the Golden Night game Sunday afternoon. Early start there for everybody who's going to the Fortress early with traffic. I was driving over there last night. It's a mess. It is a mess if you're driving, coming in from Summerlin or anywhere off the Strip, trying to get to T-Mobile, drop a can of all that. So get ready for that. All right, here's Scott Kaplan from ESPN, 7-10 in L.A. That's the flagship of the Lakers. Lakers lose last night, Cap, and They were completely in control of the game until Murray took over in the fourth quarter. What's the vibe in Los Angeles today with the Laker fans coming off that loss?
1: Yeah, I think people wanted, JT, when you look at game one and the way the Lakers came out in that first quarter and they just got blitzed by Jokic's performance, the crowd, the altitude, uh, the rested Nuggets, I mean, anything you want to put in there and maybe you just call it an excuse, but, I mean, they just got blitzed in that first half. They were down, I want to say, almost 18, 18 to 20 points at the end of the first half. They make this crazy comeback in the second half. They've got it to within three points with two minutes and change to go. And I know from my perspective, I was feeling more confident about the Lakers after game one than I was going into the entire series, which is what Michael Malone was talking about last night, the coach of the Nuggets. He's like, everybody's talking about the Lakers second half. Nobody's talking about the Nuggets first half and the Nuggets winning the game. And I I monitored all night, JT, what the score was at the end of each quarter, because I was trying to make a point that, it was the first game. It was the altitude. It was the well rested Nuggets. It was the energized man. The Lakers had the lead going into the fourth quarter, JT. And then all of a sudden, Jamal Murray went Jamal Murray.
0: He was unbelievable. Scott Kaplan joins us. Cap, we're both out west. You're in LA on the flagship of the Lakers. You watch the Nuggets. I think it's fair to say that a lot of people, you know, east, back east, don't watch the Nuggets. They just don't. They don't watch. The Mountain Time Zone games, they they don't do the Nuggets any favors on TNT and ESPN, putting them on a lot. And a lot of people don't pay attention. They just think it's one player in Jokic, and now they saw Murray last night. You cover this team, you know how good they are. And last night, I think we saw the depth when Jokic didn't have much going on in the fourth quarter, and Murray was able to bail him out.
1: Yeah, but JT, I got to admit, I'm guilty as charged. Um, I, you know, follow the Lakers all season long, and I see the Nuggets when the Nuggets are playing the Lakers, but I'm as guilty as everybody else who may have underestimated this team, and it's mostly because, you know, this team has been building for some time, they've had a lot of this roster together, they've had this coach in place, and they've been building towards this, And many of us just look at them as the ho-hum Denver Nuggets. And we say, oh, well, yeah, they finished in first place. And, yes, they were the best team in the West all season long. But when it gets to a seven-game series, I'd still put my trust in LeBron and AD through two games at least. I'm wrong. Look, a lot of people thought Anthony Davis and Jokic would, you know, cancel one another. And in many instances they may have. But the difference, at least last night, is that Jamal Murray is a star who can explode in the second half. And I don't know if you saw during the game, there was a timeout and Malone was screaming at everybody on the Denver bench. And he looked over at Jamal and he said, Jamal, I don't care if you shoot and miss, keep on shooting. As a player, the confidence that you've just received from your coach when you're five of 17 from the field, that's the mental edge of blowing up in the fourth quarter. And that's what Murray did. Scott
0: Kaplan, ESPN LA, great talk show host, covers all sports, but is embedded now with the Lakers on their flagship station. So, you know, I'll talk to you off the air, and we'll maybe catch up on radio in the next week or so, but what's at stake here for the Lakers? They mailed in the regular season. They blew up the roster perfectly. Rob Palinka did an amazing job. Hachimura, the players coming in, Austin Reeves explodes. And everybody's saying, wow, look at the Lakers. They're on a roll. They could win a championship. They beat the Warriors. Now their backs are up against the wall. What do the Laker fans expect from LeBron James specifically now? The Jordan comparisons, LeBron disappearing earlier in his career, then lately being a great postseason player with Miami, winning a chip with the Lakers. Come on, Cap. It's LeBron time now. He's got to put this team on his back in Los Angeles in front of Jack
1: Nicholson in front of those celebrities and have two monster games. It, it, you're exactly right. The question is, can he still do it? Because even in the earlier part of the season, I was arguing, I don't care if LeBron James is 38. LeBron James has a television commercial about defeating father time. When I watch LeBron James in uniform, I see one of the all-time greats. I don't see a 38-year-old all-time great that's closer to the end than he is to the beginning If LeBron James puts on a uniform, then LeBron James is expected by all of us to be LeBron James. And when you are LeBron James, you are supposed to be capable of putting a team on your back. And JT, while my mind tells me that he still can, my eyes are proving me wrong at least through two games. So, yes, over these next two games in L.A., where the Lakers are unbeaten at home so far in this postseason... LeBron James is going to have another chance to prove to all of us and to himself that he still can because right now through these two games, we're not so sure that he can.
0: Wrapping it up with Scott Kaplan, you know, Anthony Davis was getting pounded in Los Angeles, even on your station. Is he going to show up in the regular season and all of a sudden the playoffs start? with the Warriors and before that in the play-in, and he explodes and everyone's like, wow, that's Anthony Davis. That's a guy, if he gets another ring, is going to have his name in the rafters with Jerry West and all the legends, Kobe. And I still think he's that good of a player, still in the prime of his career on the back end, But it just looks like he's running out of energy. And a lot of that could be the rare air in Denver at mile high. What is Los Angeles going to hold him accountable to? Because we've seen some brilliance out of Anthony Davis so far in this postseason. Can he get that brilliance back again at home?
1: Uh, You know, I I think he can. uh, But it is one of these kind of strange, odd anomalies, if you will, where if you were to go back, you know, six, eight, nine games in these postseasons, He seems to have this pattern of scoring a bunch and then scoring very little, then coming back and scoring a whole lot more and then going back and not scoring quite as much. You know, in the first game, he scored 40 points, which was a really great offensive performance, at least scoring-wise, but it kind of was a little under the radar because everybody was still so enamored with the performance that Jokic had, even though, you know, Anthony Davis outscored him. In this particular game last night, Anthony Davis gave you 18 points, LeBron James gave you 22 points. That's 40 points combined between the Lakers' two stars, and Jamal Murray on the Denver side had 37 points by himself. When you late in a game, JT, when you're LeBron and you cannot hit a three-point shot to save your life and you're starting to look around for who else can I count on, Austin Reeves is one of those guys, but Anthony Davis is not. And for some reason last night, why LeBron was giving up the ball to AD to take three point shots. The mistake is that he actually hit one because every time he throws it up from three, everybody's like, no. And then when he hits one, he gains a little bit of confidence and he comes back for more. And after the game, he said he thought he had good looks and he had good shots. But that's not what Anthony Davis does. So Anthony Davis, JT, to answer the question is he got to go back to the paint. He got to play close to the basket. He's got to get easy shots, not mid-range and not long-range, Anthony Davis has to play close to the basket, and we're going to see if he can do it when they get back to L.A. for Saturday.
0: Last one for Scott Kaplan, ESPN L.A. Real quick, Scott Kaplan, about a minute to go. Do you like days like this when you go on your radio show later and it's sky is falling, big, big station, it's all Lakers in L.A.? Would you rather have a comfortable little cushion here knowing you're going to have a guaranteed three weeks of Laker talk? These are the days where you really got to roll up your sleeves on the
1: radio. These fans are going to come at you. Oh, big time. But here's the thing. I'll just tell you this, J.T. While there will be a lot of negativity and there will be a lot of doubt um, I see things very differently. I really think that the Lakers, who now have to win four of their next five, I believe they can come home where they're unbeaten so far in the postseason. I think they can win these next two games. And then it's best two out of three, and you've got to win one of those three on the road. I'm not as pessimistic as other people are right now. I actually still believe in this team because I believed all along that this team would peak at the right time given all the roster changes and how long it would take to put this thing together, I still don't think we've seen their best ball. I may be proven wrong, but I'm still really hyped and positive on this team. Appreciate
0: Scott. Scott Kaplan, my longtime friend and great radio host. Uh, Follow him. He's got a whole bunch of podcast platforms, and we're doing a project together. We're doing a little podcast platform, something new we're going to try with another radio host, and when that happens – Us three amigos are going to come in, and that'll probably uh, drop maybe next week or the week after that. Appreciate that. So no disrespect to the Lakers. My sons are diehard Laker fans. I want them to win. I'd like to see them come back and win four in a row. They're not going to do it. Uh, L.A. will get them and pick them up. They'll feel good about returning to L.A., but Jokic is too good. And everybody who said, well, they they only have one star. How'd that work out? What Murray did last night in the fourth quarter was legendary. For that franchise, who's had Alex English, Carmelo Anthony, Dan Issel, right? Great players throughout the career of the Denver Nuggets, but no one seems to give them respect. Maybe they got a little respect last night because I thought they were outplayed the entire game. They were until the fourth quarter when they needed someone else other than the Joker to step up. He didn't have it. The Lakers did a nice job collapsing on him and playing really good defense, but that was it. Oh, also next week, we got a brand new podcast for the Raiders, Raiders Roundtable. We're going to knock that out on Thursday of next week. Q Myers, along with myself, probably Lincoln Kennedy. And we'll get closer to what's going to be happening with the Raiders as these young players come together. All the hype around this new roster, which I don't think there's a lot of hype outside Las Vegas. Most of the country's not respecting the Raiders and their roster and what they can do. And next week when the coach meets the media, I think that's going to be on Thursday next week, he'll probably go over that roster for the first time and talk about what the Raiders look like as he saw the players for the first time, got them out on the field, worked them out, and what the Raiders will look like going forward. We have too many partners to thank with this limited time left, so I just want to put a blanket around all of our great partners who give us an opportunity to host the show. Thank you so much. If you're a partner in Raider Nation Radio, not only on my show but the entire lineup, we greatly appreciate that. I do want to re- mention Remy Martin Team up for excellence with Remy Martin. We're doing an event with them coming up here in a couple of weeks. Details to follow on Twitter at JT the Brick. Q is coming up next. I'm heading out to Laughlin. Laughlin, Nevada. First time. I lived in Las Vegas since 96. I've never been to Laughlin. I've been to Havasu, but I guess I never stopped over in Laughlin. So that'll be fun. Spending the night out there. Coming back tomorrow to have a great weekend here with the fight and the Golden Knights. Go Knights, go. Let's get game one tonight. And you can listen to all the action on our flagship radio station. Ryan the Hockey Guy, Dan Duver, Gary Lawless. They'll do a great job on Fox Sports Radio on the other side. Have a great weekend, everybody. Always appreciate you listening to the flagship of the Silver and Black.